0: The unwritten rules of Facebook. It cut all of our ad costs by over 70%. How do you want to be able to take in all of this data that's around us? And some of these campaigns have done up to $20 million in sales. I think this is going to be the future for the next 10
1: years.
2: And now here is the win with your hostess, serial entrepreneur, marketeer, and chief sexy boss, Heather Heather Havenwood. Look, our
0: whole world revolves around our iPhone, iPad, Droid. You know, they say we look at our phones on average 150 times a day. And if you're a small business and want to actually grow, you need to reach people where they're looking at and listening the most, their smartphones. See, marketing via text messaging is a great way to start and it's super easy. Just text the word start to 72000 to learn more about my friends at Mobit. They're marketing experts, and they will show you how to use text messaging for your business and to get more leads and convert them amazingly. Again, text the word start to 72,000. Again, that's text the word start, S-T-A-R-T, to 72,000. Hi, my name is Heather Havenwood, and welcome to our little show today and I'm joined by a dear friend of mine on the other side of the pond as we call it, David Ralph. Thanks for being here.
1: It is lovely to be here. and I'm slightly shocked because when you was on my show, I'm actually a host of my own show, you told me to call you Heberan. You were firm on that and you just called yourself Heberan. So what is it, Heather or Heather Ann?
0: It's Heather Ann, but you know, it's funny, I don't necessarily call myself Heather Ann. <laughs> Isn't that horrible? Oh, so, should yeah. I call you David Ann? Is that, did you like me too? You David me Sexy Stud?
1: You, 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 you know <laughs> how you normally call me stuff, you call me anything you want.
0: So welcome everyone, this is David Sexy Stud Ralph joined of Joined Up Dots. That's like that. Do you like that? You're yeah, welcome I, I, to take I like it. That.
1: I like that, big time. That, that's going to be my branding from now on.
0: Take it, own it, own sexy stud, David Ralph. You will absolutely love it because that's who you are for me. That's who you are, your dear friend. So David, you know, you are a bad A, because I say badass on this? Yeah, badass podcast host you are and join uh, up dots. You've done a ton of interviews, but you're a master at it. You really are. I mean, I have all the ones I've listened to and I've listened to a ton. I've been on a ton. You really are a master at it, but it wasn't always that way. So I wanted to kind of have a conversation with you between the worlds that you live in. You live in a world of being a podcaster, but you also came from what I call a real business. And I want to explain that to the listeners is that, In this world of online marketing, I have been 15 years, my experience is people forget there's this thing called a real business with storefront or employees and taxes and like stuff like this. They forget because they go into this lifestyle business and they think, oh, it's all kind of airy-fairy. That's not what I call the regular part of the world, you know? So tell me about your story about how you kind of got into this and you crossing both worlds.
1: Yeah, it's funny, actually, because I actually cross three worlds. really. Ah. I cross retail, I cross corporate and I cross podcasting. So for for my own personal career, I have always been in corporate land. So I've worked in city offices, and I was a financial trainer. Mm. And I'll tell you how my podcasting leap came. And somebody asked me this the other day, and I totally forgotten about this. But I was a trainer in a corporation, and it was only me and about 400 staff. And so I was constantly doing it all the time, all the time, all the time. And if I wasn't training they were asking me to train something else and it got to breaking point so I thought to myself one day I'll tell you what I'll do I'll create these videos and these little So I didn't know they were called podcasts, but kind of audio files that people can listen to at their desk. And I'd go into a room and I'd sort of record and then send it out into the office. So it was all sort of internal stuff. So when I left my corporation, I'd already sort of built up the skills to become a podcast host, not knowing it. It's how the sort of dots join up. And so it was reasonably seamless. I didn't know that I was going to do this, but I had the skills. And Hmm. the, the brilliant thing about it is once you've got those skills, And I would say to everyone, if you're transitioning from a job because it's a bit crappy and you don't like it, look at what you can gain from that job really act as a sponge to soak up as much so that you can take it to the next step because Mm -hmm. there's gifts within that environment and so very quick story that's what I did I sort of Mm -hmm. took everything I could how to record how to put it out to the world how to upload it as files and then when I came into entrepreneurial world I looked around and thought what should I do oh I know I think I'll be a podcast host and that's what I've done Oh, I love
0: that. I didn't know that. So you seriously went into a closet at the corporate office and like recorded things and then uploaded them and sent it out to the via email?
1: Yeah, I used to create little videos. and Oh my gosh. Videos and it was like on a training subject. So I used to do insurance and banking. So I'd record a bit of myself sort of with a headphone, a very cheap yeah. Logitech headphone. And people would play it at their desk. And I'd walk through the office and I'd see my face burst up where somebody <laughs> had to put headphones on and do these kind of online training courses. And then I found out it was quicker to do very engaging audio. So you mm. could just kind of record content and blast it out. And so it was the very very first starts of me podcasting. And as I say, I totally forgotten that until somebody mentioned it the other day and it all came flooding back to me. That's what I used to do.
0: That's interesting. And I have a similar story just quickly is that when I was in Corporate World 2, now looking back, everything joins up is I did a direct response marketing campaign. Now, at the time, I didn't do it that. I just did this fax blast, you know, and I thought, oh, well, I'm just going to do this fax blast. And then I got all these orders back and they call that, that's called a direct response marketing campaign. I'm like, what? You know? So I completely get that. You just take everything you can from Corporate World and you move it to the next space or your next world that you kind of move into. So tell me more about the first one. You said you moved through three different spaces. What was the first one?
1: Well, the very first one, it's funny enough, I'm still kind of vaguely tied up with now because I am a full-time podcaster. This is my gig and it's sexy time. I love doing it. It's great. Sexy time. Woo. Sexy time. Let's get down and get sexy. I don't say that very often, but I've got a corporate, well, it's a small shop. It's a retail shop that my mum and dad... Launched back in 1981. So it's been going for sort of like 35 years. And I started working in there when I was 11 as a kind of part time job. It was that or doing the paper round. And so Mm. I did that. And then, funnily enough, I added a paper round on there because I like the money. And so I've been kind of ingrained in this organization, this small shop. And now they're coming into their 80s and this shop's still running. It's kind of slipped over to me. So I'm used to dealing with customers face to face and answering the telephone. And doing all this kind of stuff on the online world we try to get away from now i don 't do it very often because to be honest I say no i 'm not going to do it unless it 's absolutely needed, but when somebody goes off on holiday, I sort of step in and cover so unfortunately, my business now is pretty much online and can be uploaded and run at will you know so when you 're in bed it 's doing its stuff, so I can plan it so that I can go yeah I go in there for five days but I'll be honest I hate it I hate the restrictions of it all I hate that I've got to be there at eight o'clock and I can't leave to half past five I hate every single part of it but On the plus side, it makes me love my life even Mm. more. It makes me think, "Ah, thank God I got out of the corporate rat race and created my own life where Mm. I can literally have these conversations and then walk around the garden and sort of choose my own time and then come back to it later. It's total flexibility once you create something that's worthwhile.
0: I love that. You know, I had I completely understand that, especially coming from where I came from, corporate world, but there was a moment, David. and I want to share this because I, I completely understand what you say you really love what you do because you kind of go between both worlds. You start to appreciate your world. And yeah. there was a moment back in the day, back in 2005, 2006, I was literally... Completely distraught in my business at the time and I didn't know what to do. And I, I just was like coin scared and wasn't sure if I should go back to corporate world. This is what I did. I promise you. And I kind of feel bad that I did this, but I did. I totally did this. I got in my car. It was the middle of the day. I got in my car. I lived about two miles from the downtown area and it was the middle of the day of a work day. And I went down there and I literally sat across from like a little park where all the, I call corporate bees with their little magnet employee badges kind of hanged and they were all having like a little lunch and and they all kind of went back into their I called the little birds went back up into the sky of the little building. And I went <sighs> <sighs> I'm not there. I'm okay. And I that made me feel better. <laughs> Is that horrible? But it did make me feel like as long as I'm not doing that, I'm okay. <laughs> yeah.
1: And it's true, isn't it? When you find your thing and My show is my thing. I just know it. And fortunately, it's gone very, very well. I'm not saying it was easy. It was bloody hard, to be honest, to get it going in the first place. You know, pushing a boulder uphill, it takes a lot of effort until you get to that bit where it kind of gets lighter and lighter and lighter and starts rolling away with you. But through those adversities, you think to yourself, why am I coming back to this? Why am I coming back to this thing that is so much harder than I was doing before? And it just comes down to one thing. I love it. I love it and I want to get better at it. And that is what I feel. I feel every morning that, thank God I made that decision because it's a decision that I made. Nobody Mm. forced me to leave my company. They didn't want me to leave, but I left on my own terms. And I say to everyone, when you do that and you have only got plan A, because I'm going to be a podcaster, I haven't got any other sort of strings to my bow and I don't want them, then plan A is how it works. No escape route.
0: Oh, I love that. That is so true. It's like you just go off the cliff and you just make sure you're committed 100%. Tell us a little bit like the statistics of your podcast. How long you've been going? And I think you do every single day. Like tell us the world of your current podcast.
1: Well, funnily enough, tomorrow is going to be the 19th of March. And I just got an email flash up saying, oh, your domain name was two years ago today. So I actually bought the domain name on the 19th of March, 2014. I actually launched the show on April the 30th 2014. For the first year, I went seven days a week. And it was an hour plus show seven days a week. But then when I got to the, the year, I sort of wrote out to my listeners and said, you know, what do you want from my show for the next year? Let's be creative. People and I said less of it. We can't keep up with it. And I'd kind of thought that people would come to episodes randomly. They might choose one on a Monday or one on a Friday. But they were trying to listen to every single show and they couldn't keep up with it. So we sort of went down to three days a week, and now I do four days a week because I've got such a block of shows now. We do weekend rewind, which I dip back into the vaults and reissue another episode so that goes live on sunday and it's a great way of doing it and the show literally killed me in the first year the first (laughs) year thank you for
0: being honest because that's a lot that's a lot
1: but i learned so much about how to record and edit and release a show quicker than anyone you know my finishing process after i do a show is about 19 seconds and i know most people take about two hours oh at
0: least yeah yeah
1: So I literally record and edit live. It's like a DJ. I slide things up and I drop in sound clips and I move things around. So it gives my show a kind of talk radio vibe it doesn't feel so much of a podcast it feels more of your favorite breakfast show that kind of thing and so yeah it's gone extremely well and funnily enough at the moment I feel like it's hitting its next stage it went very well and then hit a plateau for quite a while and no matter what I was doing Mm -hmm. it wasn't seeming to making any difference Mm. but now my show released this morning at sort of 12 o'clock GMT and I've had more downloads by this time than I'm normally getting four days. So hmm. it looks like it's hitting its next level and people are starting to find it. And there's a lot of work. There's a lot of work involved. But if you love doing it, you don't mind the work.
0: That's very true. But I think it's interesting. I have a question there for you because your show is a lot like radio, like, you know, the, what I call old school radio entertainment. You know, and something I've been doing. Actually, this is a question for you. I've been doing this personally. I've been listening to Rush Limbaugh lately a lot, mainly because he's so good on the radio. Like the guy's got a three-hour show. The guy just—he's just great, you know. And so I'm kind of listening to him on how he's doing his show on a professional level, because I don't consider myself a radio person. I've never really taken on understanding radio on any level. And now I'm listening to talk radio pretty much all the time, locally, and then nationally. Is there anyone that you listened to for a while, locally, and internationally, that you wanted to kind of go, okay, they're a professional, I can do that? Or did you just like take it on, you're gonna be yourself?
1: Yeah, I took it on that I was going to be myself. I knew right at the very beginning, fortunately, because I used to come from a training environment and I used to stand up in front of people and I'd just be myself. And I knew from that part that it was the way to go. Yeah. Don't try to become somebody else because you're a diluted version of that somebody else. And the reason why they're successful, you're never going to replicate it. And you see it in podcasting where people go, oh, that person's got a really top ranked show. I'm going to do the same thing. I'll be successful. Right. Oh, you- you won't be successful at all because people like that show because it came first. So at the beginning, I thought to myself, right, what I'm going to do, I'm going to record an hour show, I'm not going to have any questions, I'm going to respond, we're going to have laughter, we're going to have tears and just create something that can't be replicated. Mm. And I think my show is very difficult to replicate. But going back to your questions, I do I look at people and I look at the nuances of interviewing. I think there is a skill to interviewing. Number one, first of all, I stopped listening to any other podcast, because I didn't want at the beginning to be comparing myself with anyone. I just got my head down and started creating my show. So I didn't look at iTunes ranks and people talk about new and noteworthy. I didn't care about that at all. Because I thought if I'm worried about the first eight weeks of my life, then I'm missing a trick. You know, if I was worried in four years, then yeah, I've got something to worry about. But in that first eight weeks, you can't grow a business in eight weeks. But in podcasting land, that's what they kind of say. So I stopped listening to any podcasts. And I just focused in on my own skills. But I listened back to every single show of mine three or four times. Now I've done 575 shows. And even yesterday, I recorded four shows. And I've listened to each of them three times, because I want to get better at asking the right questions that I've never heard before, asking the questions that the guest understands and doesn't have to ask for extra clarification. And understanding the backstory of a question. Now I'll tell you who does this very well. And I was watching him last, Last night is Howard Stern. Now, whether you like Howard or not, and he's not a big name in the United Kingdom, he's a much bigger name in America,
2: mm-hmm.
1: he will ask questions that the guests will answer and you almost think, why are you answering that? And it's almost like they haven't got a choice. They have to answer it. You know, I heard him talking about Simon Le Bon's scrotum. You know, <laughs> who wants to talk about that? But <laughs> Simon Le Bon... That's Howard Stern. Yeah, he just opened... Up And he started to talk about it and how he'd had a motorbike accident and he damaged it. And you know, and you think to yourself, this is amazing. How is he asking those questions? Now, the reason he can do that is he creates the right mood. He creates the right mood at the beginning. He's created that mood that if you go into that environment, you know what you're going to get. Right. I'm on Howard Stern. He's going to ask me these questions. I've got a choice. I either play along with him or I don't. And I think that's what so many podcasters miss out on. They don't create the mood that is right for their show. And so that when Mm. people come on their show, they know how to deliver what they do. They have a diluted version of somebody else's show. And so when the guest comes on, they're not really sure how to perform. And I think that would be the biggest message I would say to any upcoming radio host or podcasters be consistent with what you're delivering because it makes it easier for you in the long run because people will then know how to deliver back to you and that's your guests does that make sense
0: oh my gosh it actually I'm taking notes but what's really interesting to me first of all you just turned me on back to Howard Stern and because I think he's brilliant he's forget about his politics or what you think of him like on that level he is a brilliant host and you're right like for some reason they go to Howard Stern show and all of a sudden they're just they're talking about their dirty laundry you know I'm like why are they yeah, it's the mood he's that's really interesting. No one's ever pinpointed, you know, like what it is about him. But you're right. It's some kind of like a mood that he creates that allows people just to kind of share their dirty laundry on this radio show slash podcast. Do you think your what I call a hard, you know, retail business, because you grew up in a business. I mean, 11 years old, your parents are working in a retail business and what I call a real business with employees and customers and inventory and all this kind of stuff. Do you think that that gave you a great sense of being an amazing entrepreneur now as a podcast host?
1: I think it gave me the ability to connect with people. I think there's no harder audience than a customer. So when a customer comes in, A, they want it quickly. They want it cheaper than they got before. They want it right, even if they give you the wrong information. You know, our business is car spares shop. So yeah. if, if you know anything about car spares, nowadays you need to have the registration play. You need to have the number play, the license play. If you don't, there's more often than not five choices of every part. But you will get customers that come in and they will say, yeah, I want an oil filter for my car. And you say, okay, what's the registration? Oh, I don't know they're all the same. And you think they're not all the same. And so I think that ability to be able to connect with people who aren't willing to connect with you has become very useful as I proceeded through my career, because I became an induction trainer. So when somebody new would come into the company, I would teach them how to be a member of staff before freeing them out into the world. And I had to learn the ability to connect with people very, very quickly so they can trust me. And I've got a natural skill, which I think I've fine tuned over the years because of all these different environments. That if I meet someone, even if I don't like them, they will think that I like them. But I don't do it in a kind of suck up way to them. Mm. I just manage to mirror their behavior. Whatever they want from me, I deliver back. I become a kind of personality comedian, if you understand. Yeah. And that's I what that. I've got from that environment.
0: Like a mirror matching is what I hear, like a mirror matching. I learned that particular skill. I'm like you. One of the environments I learned how to connect with people was when I was traveling around the country doing seminars. I mean, you literally would go into a city, you know, unpack your bag, go downstairs to the seminar and you would be in front of strangers, you know, a hundred of them. And your job in an hour and a half is to see how many you can basically convince, to know, like and trust you, to be safe, to give you three grand. I mean, whew you had to learn how to look at your body, your body, your own body structure, how to look at them in the eye, how to connect with them and be with them and not let your stuff get in the way. You know, so I get what you're saying. Now I haven't been in a retail environment, but it sounds similar. Like you had to really connect fast and be able to move them towards the next step or let them go freely in a positive manner. Like, okay, it didn't work. You know, we don't have the part, you know, move on. Thank you so much for coming in. And hopefully you'll come back again. That's pretty interesting. And it's an mirror matching perspective how do you think or do you think you have mirror matched a few things with howard stern or have you or
1: yeah that's interesting i think one of the things is he's a professional and i think with me i'm a student of the game
0: especially i love that Ooh, student the game i'm writing that down that's awesome i
1: want to become not just an interviewer. I've actually created a new course, Heather, called Interview Masterclass, which is coming live very, very shortly, because so many people asked me, how are you doing this? Like it was a step by step approach. And I said, Well, I I just kind of do it. But when I started sort of breaking it down, because they kept on asking me, I realized there was 12 key areas. And those areas match up with Howard match up with myself, match up with all the people out there that are doing a show that is based on questions of that moment. They don't write 12 or 15 different questions to go live with. You know, I can tell that you haven't written any questions. No. <laughs> to what I'm saying
0: it feels like I'm unprepared, though, not having that. Just to be honest. It feels like that. But I'd rather it not because it feels so contrite. Like, hold on, Dave. You know, stop. Put your chain. what you're saying. I got to hold on. Here's a prepared? question. What is prepared
1: you know? of having a great conversation with someone and then saying, oh, could you tell me your four favorite business books at the end? Yeah. Which so many people do. And I've been on some shows. I don't go on a lot of shows, but I have a really good conversation. Conversation with them. But I can almost know that they've got that sheet in front of them, mm-hmm. which is one of the things they do. A lot of people will send me a list of the, the flow. And I never ever read it. Because I think I don't want to do that. I just want to get on and respond to what they're saying. I don't want to have prescribed questions in my head. I just want to do it. And I think that's what Howard does. He is interested in that subject. But the bottom is interested in what his listeners want to know about that subject. I don't think all the time he says things because he believes it. But he believes that his listeners would believe it. If you understand, he knows
0: his audience. Yeah, he's playing to his audience
1: for the audience. And I think that's what he does very well. And I think that's what I try to do. If my audience was on the microphone, what would they ask? So I don't actually ask the questions I want. More often than not, I ask the audience
2: questions.
0: No, that's really powerful. Like, you know your audience at this point, And so you're being like a conduit for your audience is what I hear. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting. Two years ago, it's been two years. It's crazy. I spent a year... In study of improv, right? So you've heard improv in the theater world. And when I first got into it, I kind of started for this course, like, oh, I'll go to the course, why not? You know, next thing I you know, I'm like in a year course with them. Like I love, love, love it. And I, what I found out through the process is that improv is like the basis of all comedy. It's the basis of a ton of speakers and comedians. There are entertainers. If I said the names, you know them. That most of them started out as learning improv. Because improv is the ability to be in the conversation, to be in, on the stage and go with the flow and actually, you know, actually be entertaining along the way. Because part of improv is they go, okay, you're in a diner, go, you know, and you got to create the entire scene. And I can't tell you if you're on the scene, I'm on the scene. I can't tell you, okay, David, no, you need to say this now. No, no, no. You know, I just go with whatever you say it's kind of a yes. And I called a yes. And and I think that's part of podcasting. Whatever you say, it's a yes. And and then I add to it. Yes. And, and I add to it. Where can I steer the conversation? I don't think I'm a master at it by any stretch of imagination. I'm learning from you right now. But I do think that Howard Stern are people that you know, there's other people out there that are masters that you can, I wouldn't say try to be like them. But you can mirror match you can watch what they're doing in the conversation. That's kind of what I was saying. With the, the it's how-
1: interesting you say that though because at the moment i'm going into a phase of my show that i'm not yes and i'm no and i think in the first okay. show i was very much yes i agree with that that's very interesting but now i've got that confidence where i'm saying to the guests i don't think that's right and this is why i don't think it's right and they're coming back at me going well I see your point. And I think it's become more vibrant, my show, over the last maybe 10, 15 shows because it's gone from interview to discussion. And I think that all the best sort of conversations and discussions are the ones that you kind of want to eavesdrop in on. You know, they're so close to the edge of having an argument, that it becomes a kind of juicy stuff. And so that's what I'm aiming for now. I've realized that my skills of an interviewer has got me to the point now that I can go no end, but still keep the mood of the show very positive and enthusiastic so that I enjoy it and the guest enjoys it. And at the end of it, hopefully the listeners enjoyed it as well.
0: I love that. And you know, what's interesting, you know, we're here, we're talking in March 2016 right now. And of course, we're in the middle of the political craziness here in America. Are you, do y'all get any kind of news about our craziness over here with our-
1: we do, you do? we laugh at it big time.
0: Do y'all laugh? Yeah, that's actually interesting. I'm wondering, so here's the statement. I have a question for you, but here's the statement. America loves a good cage fight. Okay, that is my view of what's happening. And I'm watching it very intently because I'm watching from a marketing standpoint. What you just said is that, the top runner right now in a Trump, he's doing a lot of that. He's doing a lot of yes. And, and he's doing a lot of no. And mm-hmm. he, you know, with the moment you said that, I'm like, that's what he's doing. He's like, well, no. And, and it's interesting in the media, they're like, Oh, What do you mean? No. And like, it's very upsetting to them. Like, why are you saying no to me? You know what I mean? Like there's this, but I'm the media. You know, people say yes to us. Something
1: the other day that we heard and he was at that conference. I'm sure you're aware of this. And some guy was heckling him. And he said, you know, 20 years ago, you would have gone out on a stretcher and I would have come down there and punched you in the face. Right. And although what he was saying was wrong, there was an element that I think most people would go, yeah, fair enough. You know, it's eye for an eye. If you're not invoking violence, you're just saying, let's all get on with each other. Let's act sensibly. Let's be right. And if it goes too far, then you deserve what you're getting. And... I see that with him. And so I can understand why he's winning. Yeah. But the bottom line is you kind of think, yeah, that's all right when you're in America and you're all buying into that. If he goes into sort of some political environment where he's dealing with another country saying, if you say that to me, I'm going to punch you in the face. How's that going to work if he ever gets into power?
0: Well, that's a good point. And honestly, I think he is actually very presidential. But, you know, you have to look at if they pull the camera back, he's in this huge auditorium with the public. You know what I mean? And let's just be honest. The public isn't always nice. Yep. <laughs> so, it's you know, was, yeah. it's the everyday public. He can't control any of that environment, you know. And if you're dealing with any kind of large crowd, I'm talking like thousands. You can't control that necessarily. And so you have to either play into it, right, or move it along. But you can't just be quiet. And I think that's what he's doing. He's controlling it by saying those things, you know. But when you're in a podcast environment, a radio environment, you can kind of, in a way, move the situation around energetically. You can move the conversation, move the discussion. But when you're in this huge auditorium, I mean, God, that is just hard to do. And you're dealing with the public. I mean, anyone can walk in there.
1: You know? Yeah, the bottom line is... Yes, you're dealing with the public. Yes, you're saying what's in your heart and what's in the rest of their hearts. Yeah. But ultimately, there comes to a point where people are frightened of that. And you see that time and time again. Yeah. We like realism. We like authenticity. We like people being unique. And he has got that. And Howard Stern's got that yeah. and all of them. But it comes to a point that the establishment goes, yeah, I love what you're saying, but no, hang on. It's just too much. And I think that's what's great in kind of, media censorship in some ways, but you get the gist of it, but it doesn't go too far. And that's what I'm very aware of on my show. I want to get to the point where my show is really cutting edge, but it never becomes wrong, if you know what I mean. It, it never becomes horrible, argumentative, but it has a vibrancy. And certainly from our side of the fence, your political election has certainly got a vibrancy. <laughs> it's comedic in many ways.
0: It is comedic in many ways. And now I love what you're saying, the media vibe. No, you're right, because your show has a vibe to it. Like when I get on that show or I listen to the show, either as a guest or am I listening, just listening, and as a consumer, like there's a particular mood that I kind of expect when I get on your show. Different other shows like Hard Star, when you listen to him, there's a certain mood that you expect. And sometimes you may or may be the mood or maybe it's matching your mood. So I completely agree with that. And the censorship of podcasting, I find interesting because we can pretty much say, really, whatever. You know what I mean? We don't get the scrutiny. I don't think that what I call live media gets, you know, Fox News or International News. We don't get that kind of scrutiny as fast because we're individuals. We can kind of say what we want. There's really a, more the free speech and podcast that I feel they are in what I call the true media. I think the true media is kind of, well, first of all, they have purse strings that are not outside of them. You know, they're being paid by somebody other than them. So they have to make sure they're in alignment with the group or the organization, or the business. And for us, we don't have that there's like a complete freedom to actually ask any question we want and create any mood that we want and move it but i think the piece that i love about what you're saying is the consistency yeah
1: Yeah. i I think you, you do have to be consistent i have always got that idea of a family driving along listening to me in the car and the two kids in the back go, what's he talking about? So I'm always aware that although we might touch on some adult conversation, it never steps over. I, I would never want my show to be uncomfortable listening to. Yeah. And as you say, there are certain audiences that will tailor to that market. But I want something that, you know, if you look back on someone like Duran Duran, for example, talking back to Simon LeBon, they've been around so long now that if you went to their audience, audience, their concert, you would have the mum bringing their daughter, bringing the son, the dad, the granny. And once you get that kind of demographic of people that all can find something from your content, literally, you have blown the game away, you know, no Hmm. one can touch you. And I think that if you set your stall out that your content is listenable to across the those generations Mm. without trying to censor yourself without trying to make it to this or to that all boring and be honest Heather there's a lot of podcasts out there I might listen to them for about two minutes the podcast host sounds bored and so if they're bored I'm gonna be bored and I can't bear them I just turn them off so I always come from a level of enthusiasm I come from a level of consistency I try to make my audio as good as possible I like the idea if somebody's driving along in a car like you can in America and you can sort of go through the radio, you get radio station, radio station, podcast, podcast. And once you hit a podcast, it doesn't sound like two men talking through baked bean candy, you know, which sometimes <laughs> it does. It sounds dreadful. So I like the idea that my audio is as good as possible. And so many people say to me, how do you get it sounding like that? So that's what I think it is. It's that consistency. It's that professionalism. It's that basis of this is me this is my job and if i'm not liking it then no one else should like it so oh, you've got great. to put your best foot forward every single time
0: wow thank you so much for that yeah that's true i'm just laughing because i love your analogy what was that a bean what bean like-
1: you know you get two people and a bit of string and they talk through baked beans oh and, like, a kid. <laughs> and some of them it sounds terrible and i almost have to sort of write up to these podcasters and say to them are you listening to your own show because it sounds one of you's in a coffin and the other's in a cupboard and you're trying to talk to each other and it sounds dreadful but they release it and put it out to the world now with podcasts we all will look at our shows and go yeah i could have done that differently i could have done that better that's the progression so until you start recording stuff you don't realize actually that your microphone wasn't on loud enough and whatever but when it's that poor you can't believe that people have released 70 shows and it still sounds that poor
0: (laughs) Let me ask you one question, because I meant to ask you this, and it's something that I know some actors do and some very high professional athletes do. They watch their own, you watch, you listen to your own show. When you said that, first of all, I have this thing, I have a really hard time with that. I'm like, I can't listen to myself. I don't know what that is. I, but I know that, forgetting his name, he's a big-time NBA basketball player. He's retired now, but he was somebody that actually would watch his own plays, you know, the next day. And he would look for, like, what's missing, what he did wrong through the entire process of playing. Do you do the same thing? What are you listening for when you listen to yours?
1: I'm listening to Pace, I'm listening okay. to the right question. I'm listening. It, you know, I try to make mine quite funny in a lot of places. And if I actually laugh when I'm listening back, I think that's good. And I listen to the nuance, the atmosphere that you get on the show. You know, I recorded one a little while ago and it was terrible. When I was recording, it, it was terrible. I'd ask the question and the lady would go, yeah, that's right. Uh, <laughs> I,
2: I at,
0: at, I've been on one like that. It's like, oh, my God, I'm pulling teeth. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and it was, you know, it felt dreadful as I was recording it. Now I've listened back to it, and it doesn't sound that bad, because I realise that I've now got that understanding of having three or four questions lined up in my head, so that when one doesn't quite hit, I can go with another one. And it literally was me sort of going with a question, and then another question, and another question, and ending up as my own sort of show. But I do, I listen to everything. And one of the things that I'm really focused in on at the moment, as I say, is to make a comfortable friction between the two of us, so that we can be two adults having an open discussion. I don't agree with them. They don't agree with me. At the end of the day, we shake hands. I think that's really important. And at the very beginning, if you listen to my early shows, the first 10-15 minutes used to just be a ramble. I used to just be sort of going, you know, what did you do today? And you know, what are you doing at the weekend? Total pointless. Now I literally steam into it. And I like to go to the sections that they don't expect. I do very long introductions. I literally give the guest story away beforehand it's a bit like m and and so that mm. they can't hide behind it i've already told what they want to talk about so let's go behind that and so i find more often than not they will say to me i've never said that before and i think no i bet you haven't because you've always said the same story because the host has allowed you to say that so it's that control element the first two or three minutes is me literally going this is what I want to talk about. I don't care what you want to talk about. This is what my listeners want to hear. That's what I'm going for. And mm-hmm. by the time I get that, within about two or three minutes, we're into the show. And that's mm-hmm. what I'm listening to at the moment, making sure that that first three, four minutes is razor sharp, because that, once again, sends out the theme for the rest of the show.
0: Do you feel doing that has really heightened your show listening? Does that really helped you?
1: Yeah, I think yeah. I'm known for the introductions, literally every single day.
0: No, episode. you do great introductions. You do yeah. amazing I mean your interactions are like off the chain. They're amazing. But I'm just like curious, like listening to yourself, if that really has helped you become a master at this point.
1: I like listening to myself. I like my voice. One of the things that is, you're in love what, with yourself, so, David. Yeah, but people <laughs> Sexy say, I, hate I hate my voice, you know. I can't bear listening to me. And I always say to them, You're the only person on earth that thinks you sound like that everybody else thinks you sound like you sound. So just get used to it. And so now I listen to myself. And I like the way that the voice has improved. It's a totally different skill from being on the microphone to being in an audience scenario, you talk it in a totally different way. And I like the fact that the confidence comes through the way your voice goes up and down. And people always used to say to me, you've got a perfect voice for radio, you should be on radio. And I never had the confidence to really buy into it. But now, Every single day I listen to it. And, uh, you know, I'll be honest, Heather, Mm -hmm. my show is my favorite show. I listen to my podcast more than any other. And that's not arrogant, but I enjoy it. And I enjoy what we're presenting to the world. And I actually Mm. laugh at my own jokes, as I say. And when somebody bursts into tears, which we've had quite a lot at, I actually enjoy that in a funny way because I realize that we've become raw and open and honest and there's no barriers between the two of us we've connected and so that's what i listen to i listen to all those things but you've got to that guy listening to his or watching his own sports performance how can you improve if you're constantly churning it out but not reflecting you've got to look at yourself you've got to listen to yourself and get over yourself that's what you sound like. That's what everybody else hears. Mm. It would be weird if everybody else heard something different because they, they don't. That's your voice.
0: <laughs> wow. That's pretty impressive. I'm taking that on. Taking that on.
1: Your voice. Anyway, I love listening you. to your
0: voice. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I have, I'm have. i one of those people like I don't like listening to my voice. I'm one of those. I don't know where that came from. I have no idea. But Yeah. Even when I performed on my improv, I'm like, I don't want to see it. And I don't know what that's about. I don't know. But I think you're right. It's like taking it on as being a master of something. You have to be willing to say, I'm a professional here and I'm going to be listening to my voice and watching my show or whatever it is to go to the next level. Because that's what I do with my copy every day. I mean, I reread my copy, you know, and I read it out and read it again and read it again and change it and change and change it until I feel it's perfection to be able to send out. So that's the same thing. So I'm going to wrap it up. And I just wanted to say, does this one feel good? Yeah, I wanted to get your feedback. you're you're the master.
1: I always feel if I feel excited, then hopefully it's coming across and sometimes you do a show and it feels like you're pushing a boulder up here it just feels a bit flat and funnily enough they're the ones i get sort of emails from people that go oh i love that show you were talking to someone i think really it never sort of really hit home for me it felt just like i was slogging it but in this one i feel like sort of i feel like jumping up and down and doing rocky coming over and hugging (laughs) you doing some crazy stuff
0: i would take the hug rocky i love that show i love that movie movie rocky i mean i actually play that song in the background. sometimes to keep me going. Yeah, I just I love that movie as well. Thank you. Well, thank you for this. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my
1: gosh. I'm
0: gonna start crying.
1: love that.
0: Oh, my God. Thank you so much for that. Thank you so much for that. That was I'm gonna start tearing up. Can I say I'm sexy boss? Rocky? Girl, is that yeah, yeah. Well, the no, a,
1: hes a bit punched up now, isn't he?
0: Yeah.
1: He go for the sexy boss. Go for that bit. Go, go for, for that the glamour.
0: Go for the glamour. Thank you, boss. Thank you, sexy stud, Mister Sexy. Says, well, everyone, this is sexy stud David ralph with join up Dosco, go listen to his podcast and just from the other side of the pond thank you love i really appreciate you being here and i have learned a ton from you not only on this podcast and but listening to you but also with your courses and i would love to purchase your new course coming up tell us a little bit about that course coming up you said it's about to launch what is it about be a master reviewer.
1: Yeah, well it's about in the next couple of weeks actually and it's interview masterclass. so it's okay. 12 videos that we break down how to do the perfect introduction how to do the research how to deal with a guest when it hits the fan and they just don't engage with you how to build rapport with people very very quickly so we really sort of delved into it and it's been a sort of beta I've been testing out with people and they literally say that this is going to be a game changer and there's a lot of people and it's funny it's led me on to a next one that I'm building because of that i focus in on the host, how to create the best show. A lot of people are saying, Oh, well, I'm a guest on shows, you know, what do I need to do? So we're starting to create a new one, which is to help guests really well on shows because at the end of the day the only reason they come on shows is to ultimately sell their products somehow at the end and more often than not the guest is missing a trick especially when the host isn't very good and it just seems a waste of time so what you want to do as you do very well heaven you were saying at the beginning Mm. you over deliver the value no matter who you're dealing with and that's what we're going to be trying to teach
0: Well, thank you for that. Well, I'm definitely going to be a yes to the master class on the interview because I want to learn to become a master interviewer, you know, because it's not my natural. I feel like I'm really good as a guest. So I'm definitely interested in that course when it comes out. So everyone goes to joinupdots.com. And is there a place for the course on that one or just go to joinupdots?
1: Yeah, we're going to link it to there. We haven't actually okay. sort of launched it at the moment, but that no be the that it's going to be connected.
0: No worries. Well, this is not going to be launched immediately. So it's going to be launched in the future. So it'd possibly go now because it's probably already there. So thank <laughs> you so much for being here. And last words or places that anything you want to say to last words and where can they reach you and... Other
1: well you can just go over to join up dots on itunes or just google join up dots and you will find me but of course listen to heather's show first because it's a lot better than mine and oh my gosh a absolute delight to spend with and there's certain you know i've spoken to 500 plus people and i would say that heather's actually she's gone from being a guest to a friend and that's the sort of biggest testimonial i can give her
0: Thank you. Thank you. That's actually true. Thank you. You're my friend too. So thank you everybody for listening and go hang out with
2: Join Up Dots, David Ralph. Thank you for listening to The Win with Heather Havenwood. Interested in coaching with Heather? Go to heatherhavenwood.com and sign up for a business discovery consultation. Here is your free gift for listening. Get three audio chapters of Heather's book Sexy Voss, How Women Empowerment is Changing the Rulebook when you text the word sexy to 7200. Again, text the word sexy, that is S-E-X-Y, to 7200 and receive your three audiobook chapters. Number is good only in North America. For outside the USA, text sexy2 plus one 323 457 2288. Text sexy2 plus 1 323 457 Long distance charges may apply. Heather wants to hear from you. Questions you want answered on the show. Comments. Interview requests. Email media at sexybossinc.com or leave a private voicemail. 51 Boss is me. Again, the number is 512-677-4763. Check out all of Heather's sites. Heatherhavenwood.com Sexybossinc.com E2Lab.com DatingTriggers.com This is a Sexy Boss Wrap. This podcast is a copyright of Havenwood Worldwide, LLC.